Welcome to Heart Shaped Pod, a Nirvana fan podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Travis Clark. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Heart Shaped Pod. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I'm fucking Travis Clark. You are goddamn Travis Clark. <laughs> don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Some people have told me otherwise, but I don't listen. Don't let them take that from me. I won't. No, never. How have you been since we recorded last? You know, it's been a bit, and um, I feel I feel about the same. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a little older. That's true. I could see that. A few minutes older sure. than I was last time we talked. <laughs> oh, breaking the fourth wall. Oh, my God. Appear behind the curtain. Pay we, no attention. We record these two at a time. No possible. What a scandal. Oh, God. How, how will they know unless we tell them? <laughs> so today, we are talking about... The best obscure Nirvana songs are not even necessarily obscure. Some of them are just album cuts that don't get don't en- get the love they deserve. Enough attention. Yeah. If you've uh, if you're familiar with their all of their uh, studio work and you want to dig a little deeper, if you want to go deep cuts, go deep cuts. Yeah. And I would agree. Some of these are not even necessarily deep deep cuts. It was just at least the ones I picked. I was like, you know, this is like a song that just resonates with me more now than when it was around, and isn't really a radio hit. Per se, right, you right. know, and uh, yeah, like the uh, should we just dive right into it? Dive, dive, Nirvana, dive was a great song. Yes, I think it's on my list. Yeah, it was. It was a uh, uh, hard one to find on Spotify. Really? Yeah. Should we? Uh, yeah, for some reason, on Incesticide, all the songs that ended up later on, like the Nirv- the Nevermind reissue or the In Utero reissues, are removed from Incesticide. What? The, yeah, it's the album starts with Sliver, which was the third song because it was wasn't Aneurysm the second song. I thought on the Aneurysm album? was the last song on the version I have. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dive was the first song. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Um. Yeah. Let's. Uh. Should. We, what song should we? Should we talk about? I mean, first? let's do Sliver. Yeah. Let's talk about Sliver. This is probably one of the more well-known songs on the list, just because they had a video for right. it. Right. And also, too, coming off the heels of talking about his childhood. Yeah. It's pretty uh, relevant pretty to, to that time. To yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, this this song is on the Incesticide album, and they shot a video for this but it was just like kurt with at, his new baby right yeah, yeah kurt at his house uh with a camcorder his eyes are crazy blue in that mm, video sure are they are like terrifying someone should write a song about that <laughs> so this is uh sliver and this was also a single if you remember yes. it was a seven inch a single was it a sub pop or was it it would have been a geffen right uh they might have put a single version out on Sub Pop. And because I remember it was also a t-shirt and the, 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 the yeah. that weird anatomical shape with like blue and purple oh, stuff in yeah, it. yeah, sure. That was a t-shirt in, uh, when I was growing up. Yeah. this uh, He called this song Sliver solely because he expected people would misspell it as silver. Oh, I thought it was in reference to the Sharon Stone movie about living in an apartment <laughs> where people are spying on you. How great would that be? <laughs> it is not, but that's that's unfortunate. And, oddly enough, 
one of their uh, media-induced rivals, Pearl Jam, are mentioned in the Sliver movie. Oh, are they? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it's something about, like, uh, the daughter wants to go to a Pearl Jam concert and they get tickets. and Yeah. So it all ties together. It sure does. <laughs> in my mind. So I, the reason I think, one, I love this song because it's catchy as hell. Yeah, it sure is. But knowing more about his childhood, this is honestly just him telling you about a night that he was a kid. Right, right. Mom and dad went out to his show. Yeah. And it, it's crazy how good he was at capturing those kinds of feelings in songs like this, where the lyrics are really simple. They so, yeah. don't tell you a lot, but you still get the sense that this is a kid doesn't want to be abandoned. Yeah, he just wants he wants to be oh fuck, it's so heartbreaking. He wants it to is, be home, it really is. You know? Yeah. But again, back to what I think was genius about Kurt and the band, even though it's heartbreaking, it's catchy. And it it's one of those things where you hear it and you're like, yeah, grandma take me home. You're just right. like, you're like snapping and singing along and you're like, oh, this is about a child saying, please, please just let me be your, yeah. your kid and, and want to spend time with me and let me be Ugh, and heavy. I can't and can't chew his meat real good. Yeah, that you know, part was weird. Well, that happens when you're a kid and you still got yeah. your milk teeth. <laughs> milk teeth. It's <laughs> the name of this episode. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's Sliver. It's on Incesticide if anyone wants to go pick that up, which you should. I, that's actually, we didn't uh, get back to it on the first episode when you mentioned that was probably your least favorite. Well, least listened to, but yeah. then when I was going through looking for kind of you know more obtuse or obscure songs... That's really where you got to go if you want them in, in one yeah, little kind of yeah. packet. And I don't think I actually put any of them on my list, which is uh, stupid of me. But I think you had aneurysm on, on your list. Yeah, you? yeah. I have aneurysm, but what I like on Incesticide, there are some really weird songs. Like Mexican Seafood right? is such a strange song. What is the other one? Um, um, I want to say Mrs. Butterworth, but that's on the no. uh, that's a, a later demo release thing. Um, yeah. Arrow, Arrow, Arrow Zeppelin's yeah. one of them. Uh, I can't think now. I'm gonna have to fucking. Look I know it up there's Mexican it's... seafood, and there's another one from that from that era because it's also going back. I'm, I'm just gonna keep talking about that damn journal book. You see him writing out all the lyrics of these of two songs in the journal book, right? That you go. Uh, is it Pin Cap Chew? No, that's on. No, that's on the Fecal Matter right. demo. It is uh, the song I'm thinking of. Is hairspray queen? Hairspray. Yep. Yeah yeah. 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 Yep. That's that's a very strange song. Um, but yeah, I didn't put any of those on the list. But uh, I did put aneurysm. Let's talk about that. Let's do it. This is a song that I'm always surprised wasn't bigger. Like it's not on the greatest hits album, which it absolutely should be. It also feels like how they would open concerts for a while. Yeah, right? and I, I think they did. Yeah. I think on the Nevermind tour, yeah. they probably opened with this a lot because it's a great fucking opening song. Oh. And it's another one of these things that's got really simple lyrics, right? Yeah. Like almost like four lines or something, right? Yeah. And th- this is uh, 100% a song about heroin. This sounds like a different version. This isn't the. I don't think this is the... It's like a demo version, isn't it? Yeah, this is on the Nevermind Deluxe Edition, this version we're listening to now. Because, again, I couldn't find weird the album version of Aneurysm on Spotify. Yeah, like, even 
even that guitar part, like yeah. it sounds like there's so much more happening than there is. It's just, just him playing a, bending a note. single yeah. note with a bunch of reverb on it. And, and bending the shit out yeah. of it. Yeah. It's so hard for me not to listen to these songs and want to drum along. Yeah. Even though I'm not necessarily somebody who could play this, there's this part of me that wants to just be like, yeah. Yeah. I could grill it up. This song was interesting in that I think it's their only song with this kind of long, extended intro, like a fucking Cure song almost. <laughs> right. A heavy-ass Cure yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they didn't do that often. And uh, But I, I it, it works really well on this song. And yeah, this, again, is another really simple... This feels like it should have been on Nevermind for sure. It was it was recorded around then. Right, but it should have I feel like it should have been on the final and it was the B side of one of the singles. I don't remember which, but yeah, this should have been on the album. Right. This is such a great song. And yeah, it was such a big part of their concerts. Right. Um Yeah, that I think the one really disappointing spot in Nirvana's catalog is that greatest hits album they made some really weird choices on that album the the one that's just just nirvana right the the, the silver font and all of that yeah but the only thing you get on that and you don't get anywhere else is you know you're right right. the final version you get a couple of demos and an acoustic version right they they that was that was smart yeah it was funny enough I, i think i remember telling you that the name of Incesticide was originally supposed to be called Cash Cow because they wanted to be sarcastic yeah. about it. Uh, I feel like that Greatest Hits was more of a Cash Cow. It was more of a like, oh, yeah, we're only sure. going to put this one song on here for you and, and all the quote-unquote hits. You yeah. Know? It, it was at least better than just putting it on the box set because then people would have had to buy the whole fucking That box, box set is still... It. I like it. I like that it exists. Yeah. But there's some stuff that you go... I don't know how listenable a lot of those things are. Well, have you heard Montage of Heck? His solo album? His solo album that they put out? I saw the documentary. documentary. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't listen to that. Well, there's there's an accompanying album of Kurt Cobain's solo acoustic songs and demos. And on paper, that sounds really great. Right, that's what we've all been waiting for. It is boring nonsense. Like, Uh, it... I don't think Kurt Cobain would have wanted that released. Yeah. I mean, look, I have a bunch of things that I've written yeah. that I don't want anyone to ever see. That it's me figuring out. Yeah. It's it's the blueprint to something else. Right. You know, it's not. That's why when people got so mad at Metallica over the Napster thing, it really bothered me. Because Metallica had a perfectly valid point, which was it's not that we don't want people to be able to get our music for free what they filed that lawsuit over someone uploaded an early demo version of a song that was just about to come out and it was like their return to music they hadn't made an album in years right and this was going to be like their re-entry into music and some dipshit just uploads like an unfinished kind of shitty version of the song a few weeks earlier and they're like we should at least get to decide when our music comes out interesting and that, that is w- not the way that argument got framed no 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 they they really got kind of dragged over the coals over that and that's i will defend them over that to my dying fucking day except saint anger does not deserve any kind of defense 
tune your fucking drums, man. <laughs> what the fuck? You had millions of dollars and nothing but time. You could have tuned a drum. And that you made a movie about that album? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no guitar solos on that album? No. What the fuck kind of metallic album was that? I want the drums to sound like a box being kicked downstairs. <laughs> what were with the drums? I think it's it, it's what happens when you have too much time and too much money. Yeah. And and there's no one saying, Where's the where's the album? Yeah. You can just go, yeah. They were they really overthought that. Yeah. I mean, right. that, that, that album should have been called Midlife Crisis. It should have been a <laughs> yeah. better title for that record. They had that fucking doctor with the Cosby sweater in the movie. Sure. I mean, I know. I drove out of state to see that movie. Some kind of monster? Because I lived in South Dakota at the time, and it was like a really limited release, and I had to drive to Iowa to go see some kind of monster. And boy, was that a disappointing journey. Were you some kind of disappointed? <laughs> I the sure was. It's over. I was super disappointed. All right, so that was aneurysm that we just talked about. Real quick, I bet, I don't know if it would have been filmed, but I bet Nirvana would have had to gone into group therapy if they'd stayed together. Oh, shit, yeah. That they would have had their version of, you know, some kind of angst yeah. or whatever, you know. like. But I don't, I don't think they would have stayed together. I don't think I so think either. we would have gotten another and album. And I think, but. I don't think they certainly wouldn't have been like, let's make a movie about it. No, no. Yeah. But- they would have needed some Courtney therapy. Courtney might have said, stick. What if I was in the movie? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Courtney Love. She's fine. It's fine. She's great. It's fine. No, yeah. we, she's, um, there's, she's great. She is great. Great, great, great. Everything seems totally normal with that lady. Perfectly. She's normal. aged well. <laughs> she's, <laughs> everything seems fine. So what song should we talk about next? Um, you know, I actually picked a lot of songs that are technically covers. Oh, yeah? Um, because to me, the reason I picked them was Kurt had this amazing ability to make a song that wasn't his become his. Right. And um, a lot of the stuff that was on Unplugged, um, you know, they did like three Meat Puppets songs right. in a row. And I was a fan of the Meat Puppets. But to me, after that performance, they became Nirvana songs. Like they, Well, his versions of those songs are... They're unreal. They're and unreal. when has a meat puppet song ever been described as beautiful? Um, well, I mean, I get it. But yeah, they were really good with harmonizing with one another, but he put that yeah. that curt grittiness to it. Yeah, but still kept it pretty. It was that it's it's like a it's a gritty pretty. Uh, yeah, for uh, sure. That can we uh, let's listen to Lake of Fire. Oh my god, because Lake that's that is uh, an example of exactly the thing we're talking about. This was a meat puppet song. What I love about this and. Uh, I think this is a good example of just the artistry he put in to shit like this. But this song you'll hear is way out of his vocal range. Yeah. Like those notes he hits on the chorus uh, are way outside his range. And the Meat Puppets asked him if they wanted, if he wanted them to play it in a lower key so he could hit those notes. And he thought it just sounded cooler if he struggled with it. Sure. Which, and Absolutely. he's right. He's that, 100% that, correct. Yeah, it really makes this song it's that his, much more interesting. Yeah, it, I would 100% agree. It's his struggle that makes this song different. Right. Yeah, you'll hear it a lot here on the end of this. God. Yeah, this is a gorgeous version of this song. And, it, and he's got the brothers Kirkwood. One's on guitar and one's on bass, right? Right. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, they came out for three songs. Very controversial decision. But that's what was, to me, amazing about... And we talked about that in the very first episode. He was all about, even though he was at the top of his fame, it's not like he didn't want to be famous, but he definitely wanted to bring up the people that he thought needed to be at that level also. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a weird thing to say, but admirable. You know, like because it's there's so many people that's all they're all about them. They're all about how do I I mean Courtney Love, one of them. How do I stay at the top of this pyramid? Right. Whereas he was like, there's people who there's room up here for for other people that I think are worthy. Yeah, yeah. That was a real one of the really really great things about him. Um, The we mentioned this on the first episode, but there there's a documentary about MTV Unplugged. That uh, I don't know why MTV didn't do this show more, but it was a show called Bear Witness, and it was just like oh, inter- interviews there, with right? people yeah. who were there. Yeah, and uh, they talk about the him mentioning he was bringing out the meat puppets, and all the producers were like, "What? Why? Like, yeah. why?" And then they play one of these songs, and at the end, one of the producers is like, "I get it. I get. I get why he brought them out. Makes sense." So yeah, that was. Uh, Lake of Fire. So amazing. Yeah. That is... Uh, I don't know about you, but I still... I, I have a difficult time listening to the Unplugged thing. It, it always inspires a really deep sadness in me. Yeah. And I love the songs, but it, it's it's this weird thing of like... To me, that's the curtain call. The whole album is kind of a, a, a yeah. encore farewell. And it, yeah, it's... I mean, it's technically their last album right it was the last you know cohesive piece of work they did and it yeah just the way that album ends and everything about it is very sad but it's a fitting send-off sure that his career kind of ended on the note musically that he sort of wanted it to because if you hear him uh talk back around that time he talked a lot about wanting to you know do more like singer songwriter right acoustic type stuff more, and, of the, more of the lead belly kind of thing. Yeah, and and it's funny how far back that lead belly thing goes. That's not a thing that he trumped up once he was right. in, the, in the public eye. That goes back. Yeah, it was uh, you know, one of his favorite albums at one point was right. an eight-disc lead belly album, <laughs> right. which I've heard, and it's fine, but it, it's it's definitely not, I don't know, it, it's a surprising influence. For it Kurt is, Cobain. and I said fine, like I like I hate it. I just I like Sun House better. There's, but I think also too the thing about those Lead Belly recordings is that's when recording was like, look at this thing we just figured out how to do. Yeah. So it's not like pristine or necessarily like oh what a great balance between his voice and the guitar. Like it's yeah. That was like when you recorded things, everybody went around the same microphone, and it was like you had yeah. to adjust your playing to who was playing louder or quieter. Yeah. And, yeah. Some enterprising white dude just walked around the south <laughs> waiting to see a dude on his porch playing guitar, stuck a fucking microphone in his I face. hear a single. Yeah. Don't worry, kid. No one's ever going to hear this. And that guy gets rich, and that the guy other, playing the song yeah. dies in a potter's grave. And has no idea that his song is a radio hit. Exactly. All also right. known as, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's, uh, well, hey, we were just talking about Lead Belly. Let's play. This is actually from the With the Lights Out box set. Probably my favorite thing that was on it, because I had n- never heard this before. Which is, it's a cover of a Lead Belly song called Ain't It a Shame. Uh. And I think it's one of Kurt's 
best vocal performances. Doesn't even sound like him. Yeah. And he does uh, that thing, which he did on uh, In the Pines and on Lounge Act, where he's singing the whole song kind of like in a very reserved way. It's like a Kurt Presley kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then when he hits the last verse, he just lets it go, and it's so fucking great. Really short song, too. It's almost over, actually. There he is. Yeah. Ain't it a shame to beat your wife on a Sunday? Problematic, Lead Belly. Yeah. Very problematic with those lyrics. Yeah, this is such a fun song. There's a, uh, I think this is on the, there's like a greatest hits version of the box set called, uh, I think it's just called Best of the Box or something like that. Oh, no, that's uh, Sliver. It's called Sliver. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's, uh, I think this might be on that also. Or also, it's 2017. You can just download this wherever yeah, you, you want. you just get it by itself. Yeah. But this was, I think, my favorite moment from that box set because it was the one thing that I had never heard in any form. I, I hadn't heard demos of it because this is from like a three-song three session he did with Mark Lanigan, I think. Oh. And it's called The Jury Sessions for some reason. And they did two Lead Belly songs, I think. You know, it's funny. It's on um, Lanigan's first. If you don't know, Mark Lanigan uh, was the lead singer of Screaming Trees. He also has right. a very prolific solo career. Super prolific. Uh, he was also, he kind of rotates in and out of Queens of the Stone Age. He also does a lot of like collaborations with other people. He did a bunch of albums with Isabel Campbell right. of uh, Bell and Sebastian. Uh, his new uh, album, Gargoyle, is fantastic. Oh, I haven't heard yeah, it. It's really good. Um, but Lanigan's first solo record, when the trees were still together, uh, they did a. They did. A, uh, where did you sleep last night? So there's. Oh, yeah. There's actually. I, Mark has now done the song three or four times, I think, uh, and his versions are just as I guess moving and guttural and have a big impact. Yeah. But there's still something special about Kurt's, especially unplugged version. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there. Uh, Lanigan just did one for the. Um, What's that? What's that show everybody talks about on Showtime? That's like a Neil Gaiman thing. American Gods. Oh, uh, yeah. He did one for that. That's unreal. oh, really? It's un- unreal. Yeah, Mark Lanigan's great. Mark Lanigan is uh, an unbelievable guy. Yeah, yeah. And I think we talked about him in the first episode. One of the reasons I love him is that he made one of the hosts of 120 Minutes quit. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, I can't. I just can't. Yeah, yeah. If you. Uh, if you if you work your way through Nirvana and want to start digging into their they offshoots, were, Screaming Trees and Mark Lanigan is a great and, place to yeah. start. And they were buddies. They were buddies in the yeah. scene. They were buddies in rehab. Yeah, they um, were super friends. Yeah, <laughs> they were <laughs> Wonder Junkies. Activate. <laughs> um, but uh, Screaming Trees is a. I'm going to do a quick quick recommendation that you do Screaming Trees. Dust is uh, an album that he put out shortly after yeah. Kurt had passed away. And I think there's a song or two kind of sort of talking about it on there. Yeah. Is that the album that has I near, Nearly Lost? No, that's um, Sweet Oblivion. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but fun fact, uh, Screaming Trees' last studio record was uh, Dust. They had another thing called Final Words. It just came out not too long ago. That was a studio session. But Josh Homme of Caius and Queens of the Stone Age was the touring second guitarist of uh, Screaming Trees for oh, wow. uh, all of 96. So you can go online and watch a bunch of those 
a guy who would become an enormous music guy being barely put on camera because nobody knew who he was. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty great. Yeah, the um yeah, that's one thing we don't have any of on this list is songs by other artists featuring Kurt Cobain, which there aren't a ton. There's that weird, weird William Burroughs thing. Yeah. Uh, the I actually had that him. on vinyl. I, I bought it at Hot Topic. Ooh, I bought mine at Moby Disc. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah Moby Disc. Um, and that was another weird one. And he, there was the, um, I think one of your songs is on there uh, that was the split with the Jesus Lizard, right? Oh, yeah, that was, um, no, I, no, is, I is thought that, that was... Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the which guilt, song right? was? Oh, is, the guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm thinking of uh, Return of the Rat, which was on something else. Mm. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was the the split with the Jesus Lizard. The one that stands out to me in terms of songs featuring him. There's a version of Live Through This by Hole that he's on. That he's on, and it's just uh, at the end of the song. They there's this part where Courtney Love just keeps singing, if you live through this, I swear I'll die for you. Right. And on the version he's on, it's him and her kind of like not really harmonizing, but like singing that same line. Yeah, it's it's a really good uh I don't know why they took him off the song. I don't know if it was Because by the time they released the record, he wasn't around. And I think it just yeah. really looked bad. I mean it looked pretty bad already. It didn't yeah. look great. It didn't look great that you put out a record called Live Through This. On the heels of your husband's suicide, yeah, even yeah. though the album had been written already, right? And there is that, there is that. Uh, I don't know what we call it a conspiracy theory, but working theory that Kurt actually wrote a lot of that. Well, yeah, there's there's that, and then with the Celebrity Skin album, it's Billy Corgan, Corgan, yeah. Which, if you listen to it, it's a very that does sound yeah. like a Pumpkins album, especially sure. uh, so the song Celebrity Skin. Mm-hmm. Like that's a Billy Corgan song, totally. Yep. So. Yeah, it doesn't like it. It wouldn't surprise me. It's not like she's cranked out a ton of really great albums since. No, she she's made some. She, she, she's America's Sweetheart was not a big seller. No, no, probably because it was garbage. We were just uh, if I can do two in a row. This, Absolutely, this kind of ties in well. We were just talking about songs that came out after Kurt died, and this is a really interesting story. If you are ever at a used record store and see a CD single of Penny Royalty. If it has this song on the B side, fucking buy it. Because this song, which is called uh Unfortunately Enough, I Hate Myself and Wanna Die. But you know what this was originally on? It was well, it was supposed to be on in utero. It was originally released on, on the Beavis, Beavis and, and Butthead Do America. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I Hate Myself and Wanna Die was supposed to be the name of In Utero. That that's what really? the album was gonna be called. And he dropped this song and changed the title at the last minute because he thought people would take it too seriously and it was a joke right yeah because yeah. if you listen the lyrics are nonsense but it's one of my favorite nirvana songs just because it's so like it's like the quintessential nirvana song and one of the reasons he cut it from in utero he he said we just had so many songs on that album that were just us being loud and this was just kind of another one but what's really interesting about this the reason i brought up penny royalty the penny royalty single was scheduled to be released months in advance uh, a couple days after he died and it came out and it had this on the b-side yikes so mere days after he dies pulling it in stores 
Penny Royalty backed with I hate myself and want to die. So they immediately withdrew it, but there's still like 500 or so copies that got out. Collectible? Oh yeah, if you can find it, it's so collectible that there are uh, rip, there are knockoff versions of it. And if you Google it, there's there are like little indicators that will tell you if it's a legitimate copy or a fake copy. And it's so rare that even the fake copies are worth pretty decent money now. Really? But the it's amazing. The most I've I saw one on eBay for fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. American? Yeah. They that's, have a couple. That's like a whole Bitcoin. That would be a good episode. We should talk, do an episode about really rare Nirvana collectibles. Oh, sure. Because they have, remember Sub Pop used to do, or I don't know if you know this, but they used to do a single of the month. Yeah, month. they used to mail them out. Yeah. Right. And if you can get your hands on the Nirvana single from that, it is worth cash. That wasn't Love Buzz, though, was it? I think it was. Yeah. I think it was Love Buzz, and I don't remember what the B side was. I don't either. But there were only 500 of them, and they're numbered. So if you find wow. one of those, it's worth serious cash. And so is the uh, Penny Royalty single. Listen, don't invest in the stock market. Right. Put your money in rare Nirvana, Nirvana vinyl. Yeah. Nirvana vinyl? That's hard to say. Nirvinal. Nirvinal. Yeah. <laughs> Nirvinal. Nope. Never I like that it. Word back. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's easier for me to say, so I love it. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, this is uh, I Hate Myself and Want to Die. You can find it uh, now on the In Utero remaster, and, uh, which uh, came out in 2013. You know, uh, if you're like me, you bought that Beavis and Butthead Do America soundtrack. Right. You know, and you're like, let's skip this Jackal song. Let's get straight to the uh, <laughs> stuff I want to listen to. On the on that album, there's like a bit where Beavis and Butthead like laugh in the beginning, I think. I too. think so, yeah. And there's yeah. also a duet with Cher. Very nice. With, uh, with Kurt a, Cobain. With Kurt Cobain. <laughs> what, uh, what song do you want to talk about next? I thought you said you had two in a row you wanted to do. No, I just did. We, oh. did uh, we did Ain't It a Shame. and uh, Oh, you're right. We did. Hate Myself and Want to Die. Uh, Molly's Lips. Molly's Lips. I love Molly's Lips. Which is a cover, right? I believe it's the Vaseline. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which they were another band that Kurt loved. Kurt basically introduced the world to the Vaseline. And they had already broken up and like, yeah, they weren't even like a band that was still together. Right. And uh, if you listen, this is another, like, he really kind of owns these songs now. Because the Vaselines, you can tell from this that they're a band that writes good songs. Right. But if you go in expecting to hear this song, but with a woman singing, no. It's, it's very different. Very different. And slower, if I remember correctly. It's slower. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what else from Jesus Don't Want Me for Doesn't a Sunbeam? Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam and... There's another one. I can't remember what the other one is. Um, well, they did. Didn't they do more than one song from them on Unplugged? They did, but they only aired one. And wasn't Sunbeam? Wasn't Jesus doesn't want me for a Sunbeam? Was the uh, the one that made it to air? And there was there was one that that only came out once they put the record out. Yeah. Well, they, they did that with the Meat Puppets for sure because Oh Me wasn't on didn't air but it was on the album this is a song that uh grew on me later yeah at the time when this song came out i was in high school and i was dating a girl named molly i didn't really care for her so this song kind of bummed me up (laughs) (laughs) sorry molly oh she's fine oh okay she's moved on 
Fuck you, Molly. Yeah. No? no. Well, I mean, I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you date somebody, and then you realize, oh, you want to be a mother of five, and I just want to go to college. <laughs> so, you know, it's it not happens. a good match, you know? So, yeah, that was Molly's Lips, which is on Incesticide. That's from a BBC session they did in 1990, which, uh, yeah, the Incesticide album is another one that if you can find the original vinyl pressing or CD pressing with Kurt's original liner notes. Oh, I have that. Oh, do you? Yeah. I I believe that's also worth some cash, too, because they didn't. They didn't include because his liner notes are super extensive, and it's like a letter, yeah, basically to, to people he doesn't want to be his fans anymore, right? Yeah, and they didn't put that in subsequent pressings. Why did he start putting a D in his name? I don't know. And it's something that, again, that when I was going back and looking through his stuff, like he did for a while, yeah. But it was really the first time I ever saw it was in that incesticide note where he put Kurt. You know, yeah, it's it's brought up in some of the books, but I don't remember. And Chris would put a T on his name. Well, his name has a T, oh, does it? I believe. Oh, doesn't it? I don't know because it's not Chris Novoselic. I thought it was Chris Novoselic. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? You no, know, he's the tallest, uh, tallest, tallest bass player in the world. Tallest bass player in rock. Is he really? Hey, six eight, I think. Six Jesus. seven, six eight. He's big a, dude. He's a sequoia of a man. He sure is. Also, uh, licensed pilot now. Yeah, and a politician, right? Oh, yeah, he was like an elected official for someplace in Washington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Renaissance man. Look at him. Chris Novoselic. Uh, God, this is hard. What song uh, should we talk about next? Um, do you have Sappy up, uh, up? I do. Let's talk about Sappy. This is an interesting song. This is one that... I love this song. Yeah, I love this it. might as well be a hit. Like it's, it's funny because when I found out that this isn't technically on any album, right? Beyond surprised, because yeah. to me, this became a thing that after he passed away, anytime he was on TV, or they were talking about Kurt Cobain, blah, blah, this song plays. Yeah, almost always. Yeah, and it's just it's oh, uh, yeah, it's a really well written yeah. song. Um, it first appeared on a compilation called No Alternative. Right. And at that point, I think it was called Verse, Chorus, Verse, right. which was also going to be the name of In Utero at one point. He loved changing up the names. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, what was Nevermind going to be called? Nevermind had a weird name. Um, yeah. Because he I ended up, that, that, that wasn't the original name either. No. And they, they changed their band name a lot. Yes, they did. Pen Cap Chew. Uh, Ted, Ed, Fred was their name once. Throat <laughs> uh, Oyster. Yeah, Nirvana's a better name, guys. <laughs> you, you did it right. Nah, I like Throat Oyster. Did okay. you? No. No. It's terrible. Yeah, this song, uh, this is one of their more well-known yeah. obscure songs, if that's even a thing to say that makes sense. But definitely a fan favorite i fucking love this song it's unbelievable and it's another one of those songs that the words make no sense but you can tell he's like it still gives off this like claustrophobic kind of feeling right just because he's describing a bunch of really small places he says you're in a laundry room uh he'll keep you in a jar and you'll think you're happy and he's you know it's such a brilliant way to just get that message out or get that feeling out in the song without being so 
without hitting someone over the head with it and being so explicit. Like, he was really great at that. Yeah. At just, like, generating emotion behind his songs when, if you were to just read the lyrics, there really isn't any there. And that that's one of the things I always liked about him is that, with the exception of It Smells Like Teen Spirit, there's certain things in Smells Like Teen Spirit where I go, that just sounds cool. I don't know if that means anything. Right. But there's other things where you can kind of go, well... I can put some meaning to this. Yeah. To this, this is about becoming settled down or about becoming feeling trapped within right. a family or a marriage or whatever. You know, it's yeah, having a home life. Yeah, it is. It's surprising how some of these songs came about. Like, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, someone wrote Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit on his bedroom wall. The, but they meant like the they meant the, the deodorant, deodorant and yeah. he thought it just sounded like a cool thing and had right. never heard of the deodorant so he called the song that and it's like uh, that would I mean thank God Axe body spray wasn't around then yeah it <laughs> smells like Axe body spray oh this is a horrible song it's the worst bring bring back Michael Jackson please remember they knocked Michael Jackson off the charts and oh right is it with yeah. that song yes yeah it was I um, was like I don't remember Axe body spray killing Michael Jackson but you know. <laughs> They should have. They could have. So uh, we might actually have to make this two episodes, which right. wouldn't be the worst thing. I wouldn't be the hard. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be mad. I think we're like seven or eight songs in. I won't be mad at you. And we have maybe 13. Still got mad love for you, babe. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I've been bushwhacked. <laughs> Let's talk about Lounge Act. Okay. Because this is a song. This is probably my favorite Nirvana song. And it's not that obscure. It's on Nevermind for fuck's right. sake. So but it's buried in there. People have heard it, but it's it's the song that I think gets talked about the least. And it's such an amazing song. Uh, it's catchy as fuck. I'm surprised it wasn't ever a single. But there's so many songs on Nevermind that... Uh, you know what? Nevermind, all of those songs could be singles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the exception of, in, of of endless nameless, yeah, that that I'd understand not releasing, yeah, as a single. But everything else had legs, I think. Yeah, I lo- I just love this chorus. I do too, so much. And also too, just the idea of th- this the uh, and it's smeller on you. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. that he's singing about being basically a jealous lover. Yeah. Uh, but the woman is seeing another woman. Right. Which, it'd be progressive, Kurt. Kurt, was, Kurt was good for that. He was. Yeah. He was. He was. He was an ally. He was a definite ally. He was. He was a social justice warrior performer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was an SJP. Yeah. But that was the thing. I was talking about this with a buddy of mine recently. Back in the early '90s, if you were into any of this stuff. That's how we, that's how the scene all was. There wasn't this like, you weren't against feminism. You weren't against, you know, I wouldn't even call it gay marriage because that wasn't really an issue at yeah. the time. But you weren't, there was no homophobia. There was, right. You kind of, we were all okay with it. Yeah. And we didn't really preach to one another. It was just kind of part yeah. of the culture of the counterculture. Yeah, for sure. This is another song where he does the oh yeah the screaming at the end to really great effect. Uh, this I think is a song that if you ask a lot of really hardcore Nirvana fans their favorite 
Nirvana song. You'll get this as an answer. A I lot. think it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. My friend uh, Nicole Morris, she's in a bunch of bands in Washington, D.C. It's her favorite Nirvana song. She's a huge Nirvana fan. Uh, and it's still crazy to think about not only how good this is, I hate to keep bringing up age. These are, these are kids performing yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been 22. Yeah. 22, 23. Oh, Lounge Act. Oh, you're such a good song. You're a good song. I can already hear what the next song is if you're playing it on, uh, if you're playing all the way through, never mind. Oh. Oh yeah, it it, it uh yeah, it's uh pay to play yeah or stay away stay it's away called on yeah there. pay yeah. to play is what it was called back when it was just a demo. What should we uh um did we ever go into dive? Did we no, ever... oh you don't have that one right? No, I found there's like a demo version I found. Let's see how it sounds. All right. Oh no, this sounds like probably the well yeah because this is smart sessions so this was this should be the one that was on incesticide. It's just got this, like... Yeah. It's called Dive, but it has a drive to it. Yeah. It's just got that, like, uh, 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 Like, it's a teeth gritter. This was the song that Courtney Love said uh, made her... Uh, like, this was the first song where she saw Nirvana and was like, oh, they're going to be huge. I could see that. Yeah. But then it's another one of these songs that you go, why didn't this show up anywhere? Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really... Uh, Really great song. It's uh, I'm surprised this was recorded during the Butch Big sessions because it sounds like a kind of like a Bleach song, right? And also, I'd even argue has a little bit of Albini. It, minus the yeah. drums, it's got a little bit of Albini to it. Yeah, yeah. By the way, if anyone, uh, if if you're uh, looking to watch a, a good music documentary, check out the documentary about Smart Studios in which is in Madison, Wisconsin. It's the uh, studio where Nirvana recorded a bunch of demos for Nevermind, and the version of Polly that's on Nevermind, I think, was recorded there. There, oh, okay. Either, no, or it might be something in the way. One okay. of the one of the acoustic songs was recorded there, and uh, it's a fascinating documentary. It's about a about Smart Studios, which was this tiny building in Madison, Wisconsin, where I lived for six years and did not realize. The studio where part of Nevermind was recorded was that building. That's a strange trajectory for them to go from Seattle to Wisconsin well, to L.A. to make a record. That's the thing. If you watch that documentary, Seattle gets so much credit for this sound, like right. the grunge kind but of sound. Butch Vig. But a lot of it is Butch Vig in bands that were coming out of Chicago and Milwaukee at the time. That that sound kind of made its way to Seattle yeah, because he uh, before they ended up going with even sub pop or um, uh, Geffen, Kurt was reaching out to Touch and Go, the Chicago right. label, to try and get signed there. That was one of the places they were trying right. to put their uh, eggs in that basket. Yeah, that's that was the most interesting part about that documentary to me was I've just always associated this kind of sound with Seattle and it, it's a Midwest thing. Yeah. God love you, the Midwest. So yeah, Dive, uh, it's on Incesticide. It's on the deluxe edition of Nevermind, which I, they're, uh, Nirvana is a band that I feel like their reissues have been really good. Like they've, they've really packed a lot 
of quality stuff into the reissued, remastered versions of their and albums. As somebody who was buying the albums as they were coming out, it's interesting to see all the B-sides that were on the CD singles or even yeah. seven inches kind of put on one thing. You know, right. Because before it had to be like, you were going to the record store being like, did they get the, did they get the UK import? CD yeah. single to get the one song that you wanted and you're spending like as much as a regular CD you're spending like eleven ninety nine yeah for one song that know? was the thing when CD burners became a thing I was so excited because I was so into Nirvana and I knew all of these other songs existed and I was like fuck I'm not gonna pay twenty five dollars for right. the lithium single just to get curmudgeon right and then I have to fucking pull that out every time I want to hear it and right but then CD burners and Napster both kind of became a thing at the same time. And then I just had every Nirvana song I could ever want. And a few that people thought were Nirvana songs. Oh, that my weren't. God. Wasn't like, that the worst? When Napster? people thought STP was. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not. It's not even sound the same. Yeah. I don't even know how you make them. But one per, that was the that was the bane of, of, of Napster. One person makes that mistake. And then that, that file gets shared everywhere. Or there were. People that would do it on purpose. There's, oh. There was a really famous one. Uh, if you ever found Nirvana Enter Sandman cover, which how exciting does that sound? The the prospect of Nirvana tearing through Enter Sandman by Metallica. When you downloaded and played it, it was a song by a mentally handicapped Chicago musician oh, no. named Wesley Willis. Oh, Wesley Willis. I know yeah. Wesley. Yeah. Where he was just saying, suck a dog's dick. Suck a llama's dick. Yeah, it yeah. was that song when you I downloaded. I saw Wesley Willis live several times. I worked with a guy who Wesley Willis wrote a song about. That could have been anybody he yeah, ever that's met. True. <laughs> Wesley Willis put out twelve records a day. Yeah. at one point, you know, I saw the Wesley Willis fiasco. Oh, which was his. So Wesley Willis normally just had a keyboard and would hit like the bossa nova beat, and they would just say <laughs> yeah. weird shit over it. But then an actual band uh, played with him for a while. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, the Wesley Willis fiasco. How did that guy, I don't know, sometimes musicians like that, I'm just like, how did you start? Like, Oh, he was crazy. Well, yeah. Yeah. So you just keep going. Like, there's a famous story, Rollins, in one of his many four-hour-long discussions where he just tells you a story, goes like, Wesley Willis came up to him once, he goes, you you want some CDs? And hands him like a pile of like 10 CDs. (laughs) And he's like, oh, thanks, man. He goes, that'd be $100. (laughs) (laughs) And that's pretty much how he made his money. He would just hand people CDs and then demand $10 a CD. And he was a very large man. So you'd get. Yeah, he was a big dude. I mean, I have somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 Wesley Willis CDs at home. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're they're heavy on rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a novelty yeah. thing for sure. But yeah, that was uh that was really common back then with Napster. But yeah, that's how I heard a lot of these songs first, was just downloading them on Napster. I would uh for a while there I would sell uh, B-side CDs on eBay. Like I would just burn them and make artwork for them. And then eBay eventually shut down being able to sell CDRs because they knew people were just downloading shit from Napster and reselling it. That's pretty great. Yeah. I made a fucking killing. Sorry sorry, Nirvana LLC or whatever. It's just Courtney. Well, it's Courtney and Kurt. and I mean, it's Courtney and uh, Dave and Chris, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's... uh, Let's talk about Do Re Mi. Okay. This was another, I feel like, definitely a highlight from the box set. But it's also 
what I like about this is it's kind of a snapshot of where he probably was going to go as a musician because this song isn't even close to finished. He doesn't have lyrics for it, but you can just tell how beautiful of a song this would have been. Like the melody, he was so great with melodies. Yes, he was. Like I, I don't know that there have been too many people who are better at it than him. And this is him uh, just playing this song, I believe, for Pat Smear in the basement of his house. Not long before he died. Like, I think this was in between Rome and when he died. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a short window. Yeah, it's really short window. So who's recording it? Pat? I think he had, I think Kurt just had like a four track recorder set up. And I think he just, uh, there's a story about it where he, he basically just called Pat Smear into the basement with him and he was like I want to play you a song and you can actually hear Pat Smear at the end of this go oh man that's great Pat Smear was he's an amazing figure in music yeah yeah he's he's an interesting figure for sure you know started off in the germs yeah um you know he famously had a pit guard on his guitar that was made from a broken record yeah he snapped off a record because he, he broke the pit guard off of his right. Rickenbacker I think and then just saw like, oh, this yeah. LP is about the same size. <laughs> Cracked an LP in half and just stuck it on there, and that was yeah, that was his pit guard on his guitar. Yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. He uh, did you know he was uh, when they were looking for a second guitar player, they almost asked Jay Maskis, Maskis from yeah. Dinosaur Jr. Really? Yeah. Which I could see that being a good tonal fit, but I don't know if Jay would have. Jay's very loud. Yeah, Jay doesn't want to be. I mean, if you've ever seen Dinosaur Junior live, it's three people. It's one of the loudest things you'll. Here's ever the thing: see. I was on my way to a Dinosaur Junior concert with a friend of mine. I lived in South Dakota, and I was going to see them in Minneapolis. And his muffler fell off his car halfway there, and he was like, <laughs> "I can't handle this noise. We just have to go back home." And I was you, like, "We're going to a Dinosaur Junior concert. Yeah. You're worried about noise now? There's no way you would have handled the noise of the concert yeah. then if a muffler was too much. So I missed out. I didn't get to see Dinosaur Junior. Jay is one of my favorite guitarists. He's amazing, and one of my least favorite interviews. Oh, really? He's tough to listen to. Oh, yeah. He's very. He's so relaxed to the point of like, just show a little interest. You know? Yeah. Like, you know? He's. But it's not an affectation. I think it's just who the guy is. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He's not like the Mark Lanigan trying to make the 120 minutes guy quit. Right. He's just like, um, yeah, okay, guitar. Yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah, he, uh, I do, I, I need to see them in concert. They're fantastic. They're amazing. Did I tell you the Meat Puppets are going to be in downtown LA? When? A free show, August 19th with X. So, what? Yeah, in, in Pershing Square. I feel like we and have the to. B-52s the week before that. What? Yeah, August twelfth is the B fifty two. The summer's going to be amazing. The 19th is uh, X with the meat fucking meat puppets. I'm definitely going. Walking to that. distance from here. We'll come, do- come here, park, and we'll fucking walk Perfect. over there. Bring some lawn chairs. Come here, pod. Go there. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah, that's going to be. I, I can't wait to see the goddamn meat puppets. I don't know if I've ever seen them. I haven't. Yeah. I I don't think I have. Yeah. It, it, that that's I'm excited about that. I'm uh, going back to this song though. Yeah, this is a very different vocal thing for him. Yeah, it's uh, 
way higher register than he normally sings and in. more lilting and moving yeah. around than he normally does yeah yeah it's a pretty song right and it i oh i wish we got one more album because between this and you know you're right like i feel like they would have made one more really strong album i wonder where he truly would have gone though as a solo artist yeah cuz okay maybe the first solo record would have been like very divisive but I mean, he would have been 50 this year, so yeah. I don't think he would have quit. I think he would have gone into into producing, I think would have been yeah, the, I the thing. Yeah, I could have seen he, that. You know, I think he would have started to be the the Butch Vig to the next generation. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. All right, we right, let's do one more song. All right. We um, will pack it up. We're closing in on it. So yeah, we'll just do a part two to this because, damn, we have a lot to get through. Well, what do we pick? What do we pick? Man. That's a tough should, one. Should we close on You Know You're Right? Or, or Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Yeah, let's do Where yeah. Did You Sleep Last Night. This is, I think, probably his single greatest live performance. It's not only great in terms of lyrically, because of, I'm not, uh, vocally, what he does. Right. Just the little, like, you can hear it in the guitar, the do-do-do-do. Like, there's just yeah. a couple of extra notes he throws in chromatically to get yeah. things flowing that just, and it's just him. Right. Right. Or do the do, do the drums come in later? No, I think this song is just yeah. Him. I don't remember anyone else on it. There's on that Bear Witness documentary. There's a clip of Pat Smear talking about this and how he was just like sitting on stage watching it, like holy shit, right? Yeah, this is this is the the basically the last. Well, there's a bass. There's a bass in this. I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. And then here comes little. Oh, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's real. It's very supportive. It's not. Right. It's not rounding out to the point where you're like, oh, and here's this part and this part. Yeah. And the cello comes in too. Now that I'm remembering that there's definitely a. Yeah. That's that's what really hits the heartstrings is the cello. Yeah. Yeah. This is such an amazing version of this song. Like it's, this is how this song should sound. Right. Like it. Uh, it's another Lead Belly cover. But I mean, I want to say Lead Belly didn't even write it. Wasn't this a folk song that was around? Yeah, that it might have been. Did. Yeah. Because this is like from like an 1800s yeah. kind of like storyteller star- storyteller song, troubadour right. song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's such an amazing performance. It's, um, it's another one of those where he ends with the screaming, and I think this is probably the best version of that because it's just so impactful when this when you get to the end of the song there's that if you watch it there's that scene where right before he hits that last note his eyes get really wide yeah he lets out that sigh that sigh breaks my heart every yeah time. yeah it's and you know i've always been on the fence about whether it is actually him expressing like I'm done with this or if it was just such a after such a completely like mostly quiet performance he gets to the end of this and just shreds his voice and I've always wondered if it was maybe kind of that too just him like fuck finally like, right I I can understand that but I think it's because it's the last live performance yeah. we ever got from him we kind of put that on it at, yeah at least it, that that's 
we know what happens after this. And yeah. That's what hurts, I think, to, to when yeah. you hear it. You yeah, know? for sure. That even if it is just a like, oh, man, <clears throat> you know, whew, what a tough one, you know. Yeah. Blew a gasket on that one. Even if that's what it is, it comes across as, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God, this is so fucking great. This is, again, kind of one of the things that's amazing about Kurt is that he makes it look like I'm just a dude doing this thing. Right. He'd been put, I mean, this is something he put so much thought and yeah. effort and work into. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, to end on this song. Right. Which, not a Nirvana song. Right. Not a well known song. And they actually considered doing a, a an encore, and he was like, I can't follow that. Right. Like, it's not going to get better than that, so why do a fucking encore? You can hear the sigh. Here it comes. Kurt! Hurts my heart, but at the same time, I'm so glad it exists. Yeah. This is... I mean, as far as endings go, this was... It's what you want. Strong way to end the career. It's almost like a good TV show. You reverse engineer the ending. Yeah. You know what the ending is. And that's almost what this feels like. Yeah. It almost feels like this is the coda that we wanted. How do we get to there? Yeah. You know? And, oh, unbelievable. I mean, I think about how much this impacts me emotionally. I can't imagine what it would have been like to actually be in yeah. the room. Or to be someone like Pat Smear sitting 20 feet from, from it. Yeah. You know, and watching this iconic performance. Yeah. It took a... They finally released Unplugged on DVD. That took a long fucking time. Oh, right, because like, there was all kinds of weird rights tied up. Yeah, if I yeah remember probably because of the cover songs and shit. And I think also, too, about who owns the likenesses and the oh, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And yeah. yeah, who knows. But uh, yeah, go out if you've never listened to Nirvana Unplugged. A to B is a, I it's, mean, start to finish, let's say it that way. Yeah. Start to finish, it's a remarkable piece of work. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and just, I think, really strengthens the idea of what a great band they were yeah because it's something you can point to like the one of the reasons i wanted to do this podcast is i feel like nirvana and you saw this with the beatles like when punk started becoming a thing like there's we've hit this kind of wave where people are sort of dismissive of nirvana as right. a band and what kind of impact they had you always hear like there's always that crowd who's like well he couldn't play his guitar and We'll get into that on other episodes. I like I dispute that. I think that was more of an act too. Yeah, but and you know what? In his journals, he was writing down core. He was he he put effort into it. Yeah, he yeah. didn't just show up and no bare bones shit. Like he right. He put work into it. Yeah, he just wasn't an asshole about it. Right. He wasn't lording his guitar skills over people, which is what a lot of people who are really great at guitar do. Right. And that's why they don't make good songs because they're so worried about being perfect on the guitar. Right. And I've I've always I think because of Nirvana I've always valued feeling and emotion me too in songs way more than technical proficiency like Neil Young is one of my favorite guitar players and now that's a guy who can barely play the fucking guitar but he can play the shit out of what he, he can, can play play the yeah. goddamn guitar 
Neil Young will shred on a single note for three and a half minutes. Right. And it will be the most enthralling thing you'll ever see. Well, it's funny. One of the songs we were listening to had, had a rare lengthy solo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it aneurysm? It no, was uh, 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 Sappy. Sappy. Sappy yeah. has, I mean, usually he just kind of does a couple of notes or kind of does a little bit of like the melody, but you yeah. know, on, uh, on, on the guitar. Uh, that one like went on for a bit. Yeah. His and, solo on Love Buzz is really great. And it was it was kind of crass to have solos in that kind of music back yeah. then. It was the whole point of loud big bands like that was fuck your solos and fuck your proficiency and right. it's about you know and he still threw them in there. Yeah. Ah, oh, Kurt, this was a good episode. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll do a we'll do another history episode next week, and then we'll do a we'll do a part two to this. Yeah, so many good songs. We got our month covered. Boom. Take the rest of the week off. See you later. Yeah, we're out of here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you uh, everyone for listening. Uh, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, just follow me on uh, the socials. I'm at Mr. Travis Clark at Mr. Travis Clark on uh, most of them. You can follow me at Adam Todd Brown. That's Todd with one D because that's all my family could afford. It's <laughs> <laughs> a joke from Beverly Hills nine zero two one zero. But three ends. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah. Follow me on uh, Twitter. Follow Unpops on Twitter at Unpops. Unpops podcast on Instagram. Give this podcast good ratings and reviews, and subscribe on iTunes. We need that. And uh, yeah, subscribe on Patreon to the rest of our podcast. Five dollars a month. And I think that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. I like that idea. Which idea? All of them. All of them. Yeah. The following. The subscribing. The rating. Do all of those things. And the um, coming back and doing another one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and go listen to more Nirvana because they're they were the best band. That was that was one of the proposed titles for this the best podcast. Band. Was Nirvana was the, the best, best band. band. <laughs> Which a little on the nose, I guess. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Let's get out of here, Travis. Right. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.